So Ron Miller, Mark Lamb, Brian Stroud, I'm Tom Kowicki. Nice to see you, meet you. Um, we are, I just want to say right off the bat, we are not trying to compete with that fantastic Mother's Day rendition of this. There is no competition. So we're just going to chat it up a little bit. Um, no perfect fathers out there, but we're going to just see if we can have some friendly conversation here. We're going to start with Mr. Mark Lamb. Mr. Mark Lamb, I'm going to read to you a beautiful scripture, um, and I'm going to ask you to talk about servant leadership in the home. Jesus, this is, comes from Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark, talk to us about servant leadership. Uh, I lost my dad in 1979. Um, he was... Uh, quite an individual, eighth grade education, fought in World War II. Um, his example of how he served his family, served his wife, my mom. I even heard stories, Tom, years later uh, from folks that, that knew my dad for a long time, longer than I did at age 19, losing him, and said, you know, he would do anything for your mom. He, would, he, he loved Josephine, almost to a fault. Um, but I saw that kind of servant leadership, just the example of it. I didn't know he was doing it. My father didn't come to Christ till very late in life. And, uh, but one thing's for certain is that he loved his kids and he loved his, his wife. And I saw that displayed in so many ways. We used to go to Tarpon Springs, which is just about 10 miles south of where I grew, grew up as a kid. And Howard Park was the park we'd always go to. And there's pictures that I can find because I inherited all my mom's pictures when she passed. And many of these pictures were my dad. It was before it was popular to be a griller. My dad was grilling in the 70s and late 60s. And he was always serving food up to his family. Uh, my dad was, even though my mom full-blooded Italian, my dad was the cook in the house. And uh, I just saw it displayed. I, more was caught than taught, probably. Um, I, I just had that example and that servant leadership. And when my dad came to the Lord, it, it even enhanced how he served his wife and served his family. Excellent. Feel free to chime in if anybody's got additional pieces of wisdom to share. If not, we'll give you a question of your own. You look like you've got something to say, do you, Ron? Well, I'm thinking of service and what uh, Mark said about not always seeing it. Um, I think that's how a lot of dads are. I, I think if we could have a videotape of our dads throughout their lives and we could see the things that they did for us that we never saw, uh, I think that would really change our perspectives uh, if we don't, aren't aware of it already. It, it would be interesting to know that because they aren't seeking fanfare. They're not seeking to be held up. They're just doing it because they believe it's the right thing to do. Um, I was supposed to start off with a broader question. I forgot it, so let's start with that, to not, not have put Mark on the spot first. What's one thing, gentlemen, that you did right, 
raising kids? What's one thing you did well? What's a little piece of advice you could share to some of the young guys out there that are starting this journey or are in that journey in the younger stages? What's, what's one thing you got right, one thing you did well that you want to pass on? I guess I'll start. My kids will tell you that I showed up. If they had a game, I was there. If they participated, even when Becky would be playing the 14th chair and violin, I was there. You know? <laughs> but I, I, I would show up. They all make fun because I would come straight from work and I was a carpenter and I'd come grubby and dirty, but, but I showed up. And then... Even more importantly, that I, I learned to apologize to my children when I screwed up, which was quite often, but you have to be able to apologize. Very good. What do you guys got? I think I got from my dad love. And I, I've often said, although there were so many times I wish I would have had my dad in my life, but I'd rather have the father that I had for 19 years who loved his kids, loved his wife, then have a bad example that I would have to overcome some things because I was able to understand the love of the Father better because of my dad's love. And that thing he passed down to me was, was love. I think I loved and still do my, my stepson. He's my stepson, and the only reason I say that is I raised him since he was three. And when I was, I don't know, 20, he was, I can't remember the age difference, but I could see people running the math in their head. Okay, so he had to be 16 when he fathered this child. So that's when I would usually explain, well, he's not my biological son. But I loved Phil well, I believe, and I, I try to continue to do that. Um, and, and maybe later I'll, I'll get to share a little bit about some of the struggles that, that my son's gone through. There's an old adage out there that a lot of us older uh, dads will remember, children should be seen and not heard. I think the one thing I did well as a dad was I, I listened and I had conversations with them. I always wanted my kids to feel like they could talk to me about anything, uh, even stuff they knew might embarrass me because uh, they, they tend to think I'm on the boring side and they'll put something out there and say, okay, Dad, I'm going to warn you. This might make you embarrassed. I said, okay, I'm ready. But, <laughs> but we, um, we, could, we talked about things and even to this day, um, I'm very happy with the ability to be able to have rich and meaningful conversations, sometimes difficult conversations, but still conversations with my adult children. We, we talk all the time. And so if I did one thing right, it was that I never looked at them as something that, uh, someone that I didn't need to listen to because they were kids. You know, what did they know? I actually uh, let them express themselves to me and me to them. I want to comment on Mark's response of love and just, you know, add to that, that unconditional love piece. When our kids believe that we unconditionally love them, that they don't have to strive to do more good and more good to earn more of our love, it's not going to change. And conversely, they don't have to worry about how much bad they might do where their love might be taken away from their father. Like that, That's something, we, a gift we can give our kids, that it's not, our unconditional love for them is not based on how well they do or how not well they do. So, um, great. All right, moving on. Mr. Brian Stroud. 
Um, what are some things you learned as a son that have shaped your role as a father? Maybe watching your dad. Um, Should I say what I said earlier to you in private? <laughs> no. Um, my father was very different. He was a hard man to, to please and to satisfy. So uh, I'm still trying to please a man who's been gone for 20 years, most likely. So ideally, I've learned a lot from his mistakes, and I, I am doing my best not to uh, repeat what I've learned from him. Uh, but there's a lot I've learned from him as well. I mean, I love to hunt and fish, and he taught me that. I, I, I'm a hard worker, and I've seen him get up after a binge drinking and go to work every day and come home. So I've learned a lot from my father. Um, I wished I'd have learned it differently, but but I did learn a lot from my dad, and I really appreciate and love what he has taught me. And I think I'm a, the man I am today because a lot of what he's done, and there's a lot of things that I see myself do that just scares me, that says, oh, I don't like that in me. So I, I see that. But the Holy Spirit is really growing me, and I'm I'm getting good, I'm getting better at being a dad. I've I've got three kids, and I've helped raise three others, so I've kind of been a father figure to six kids, so he's still teaching me what to do, and I'm still learning, and now i got a six-year-old granddaughter living in my house, and I'm getting to practice being like a father figure again, so I, hopefully I'll get it right eventually. <laughs> I, I know in my life, um, I, I viewed my father is kind of like just kind of in the background um you know my mother was more the strong assertive one that kind of ran the household and i you know i would watch my dad and um just kind of think come on do something like let's go come on what do you got you know and um i so i i think i kind of went the opposite direction of my father I to, to a fault, probably a little too controlling, probably a little too assertive, probably a too... <laughs> I know it's hard to imagine, but um, I, and I think coupled with my God-given personality, you know, it's just, we have to work with what we have and we have to ask for grace along the way and ask forgiveness because how we're wired really affects how we do and our experiences growing up really have an impact. Anything to add, you guys? I would like to add one thing. Yes. I'm sorry. You got it. I would like to say that my father learned from his dad. It's a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't have the best example to learn from. And, and so I try not to fault my father because he did the best he knew how with what he knew how. And he did have nine kids, so. Like grace. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is a learned behavior, and we can learn from their bad behavior and change that. There's time for that to happen. I think and my dad wasn't perfect by any stretch, but there, there was a part of dad that, that could go negative. Um, it, it wasn't something that was in the forefront at all times, but I, I found myself in later years having sometimes that I can't. Uh, attitude, and and I had to I had to kind of grapple with the fact that I got that from my dad, and and over overcome that. Um, not that I can do everything, but I can do all things through Christ. But I I still would 
could run into something and, and think that I couldn't because of that, that part of my dad that I had and had to overcome that. So. Thank you, Mark. You know, I spent uh, time uh, thinking about that, as you said, to ponder that question. And I, I'm grateful to God because um, I recognize that my dad was traditional in many respects. He wasn't the one that was managing the household. He was the breadwinner, the protector, the provider. But I also know that my dad thought very, he affirmed me. I, I, you know, I never grew up thinking that I was a, a lesser than others or incapable of doing anything because he always expressed that I could do anything that I set my mind to. He believed that. And when, he failed, when I failed, he'd tell me, I know you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, in some ways, he was suggesting I didn't set my mind to what it was <laughs> that I failed in. But he always had confidence in me. And I also, um, you know, I, his geniality, uh, everybody, you know, my mom grumbles about my dad, and I guess that's what you do in a husband-wife relationship. But one of the things I noticed is that everybody loved my dad. Uh, my dad uh, was a big teddy bear to all of the people in the neighborhood. When we were stationed overseas and he coached a women's softball team, uh, they all just, they, they loved him so much they'd bring him gifts throughout the year and everything and come by and visit. And it used to drive my mom crazy. Even after he retired from the military and moved to Lake Charles, if any of these ladies were passing through that area, they'd stop by and make sure they brought a gift for my dad. They all loved my dad. And the people in the, in the neighborhood loved my dad. And I remember thinking one time, I was going through a period of, you know, we all go through these angsty periods as kids. And I asked my dad in a bit of frustration, how is it that he was always able to be so affable and so friendly? I said, you grew up in the South in the 30s. I know life must have been hard for you, uh, considering what it was like for black men at that time. And I always remember he said to me, I always believe you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. That was, his, that was his saying, and that's always stuck with me. So my, my, my approach to, to people, my affability, that's my dad. Um, my enc uh, encouraging my kids that they can do anything they want to do, that's my dad. Um, just the, the idea that um, uh, his commitment to my mother. I mean, they have been married 62 years, mm. okay, this year. And uh, I know in, in my particular demographic, not a lot of people can say that. And so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, the way he's stayed with his wife all this time, the way he encouraged his children, the fact that he was friendly to the world and the world was friendly to him in return, that's, those are things that I definitely got from my dad. And you know, I try to think, well, what did my dad do that was wrong? I honestly can't think of anything. And I know that that really is part dependent on my personality because I know some kids might want more involvement with their dad in terms of conversation and time and all that. And um, I, I got what I needed from my dad. I, I guess that's, that's what I'd, I'd say. Excellent. Excellent. Good to hear those kinds of success stories. I want to address the issue of maybe a young person or even an adult person who um, may be stuck they had a certain experience with their father and they have not been able to take that step out of that and go through that forgiveness process of any wounding um, father wounds. We remember Rick used to talk a lot about that. Um, I wanna see if anybody's got any wisdom about that, that person that could be stuck and just needs that 
counsel or that advice or that encouragement to take the next step into adulthood, into freedom, into healthy, functional living. Um, anybody have anything to say about a father wound that uh, maybe we need to call some people from the audience? I've got a lot of blank stares up here. <laughs> I, I just think forgiveness is, well, you, you've heard the saying, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It, it's no benefit to you. Um, if you cannot forgive, then you're going to be carrying a burden around that you can't release, and the devil will just have a field day with you, and, and happiness... It just doesn't seem capable, reachable, without being able to forgive. When you look at your life and you see the flaws, you got to know that the man above you, not God, but the Father, he was flawed as well. We all make mistakes, every single one of us. And forgiveness is God's gift to us to let us move beyond the things that don't seem movable. Yeah, I'm going to second that. Um, I'm sort of in the midst of that with one of my adult children. I, I, uh, we've had some conversations, and it's, it's been a little bit surprising and a little bit hurtful to know that what, they didn't get everything from me as a father that they had wanted. Um, and... Um, I, I, I take that seriously. I'm, I'm not dismissing it. I'm listening. I'm trying to learn what it is that I could have done differently. And like I said, it's good that we're talking. We talk about a lot of different things. And I guess being in that, being on the other end of that, my, my prayer for her is that um, she is capable uh, of forgiving. Uh, uh, and I have said that I was sorry if I was not uh, what she would, what needed me to be at that particular time. But we're working through that right now. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to come to a good conclusion. And like I said, I, I don't doubt her love for me. She tells me that all the time. Um, but to be fair, even if she does go through a process where she gets to forgiveness, um, I do believe it's more about her and what she's, you know, it's going to be better for her than it is for me because I, I have to work through what, what could I do differently? Uh, what could I have done differently? Um, and I, I have to seek God's forgiveness for that. It, it's, it's, it's a process, and I'm working through it. don't know if I'm there yet. I, I think that, um, like what Brian said about the forgiveness component, um, I, I've just, I'm 62 now, so I've, I've seen a lot of things happen in 62 years in different people's lives and a lot of the hurt and father wounds and uh, and they're real there's no doubt in my mind and they go they go it depends on the person some go so deep that it goes down to their soul and all i know is that that only god can unravel that um counseling is a huge part a huge step i think that you have to take but only god can unravel that and i think that I, I really, this is one of the things my mom and dad used to say, you know, put yourself in their shoes. So I've tried to, I've tried to do that with different people over, over the years or, e, or even counsel people. Just try to understand a little bit maybe more about their background and why they were. I mean, some people are just evil, let's face it. 
Um, and sometimes that's manifested through the life of a father, and that's heartbreaking. Um, but there, there is a reason behind that. We can say, we can blame it on sin nature. You know, that, 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 that certainly takes its hold in our, in our lives. Um, there's usually some kind of an event or something that's happened in somebody's life that made them the way that they are. So I, I try to understand that as best as I can. And then, you know, much like uh, I heard the story a long time ago on Focus on the Family, that you have this trust box. And it's a box, can be an old cigar box, and it says trust on it. And those are those things that you put in there that only God can figure out, that we'll never figure out in this life. And there's some things we won't figure out. And some of that may be a relationship with a father. And I have to put it in the trust box and leave it to him for that uh, as far as when it comes to dads. All I know, though, is if you're a dad and you've been on the giving side of the bad side of being a dad, it's never too late to turn it around. That's it's right. Never, That's the point never, we got to bring across. As, as long as you're still breathing, you can still, even if the child doesn't receive it, um, it's still your obligation, if that's what God is telling you to do, to do it. And it, it, regardless of the father's uh, response, you know, the, the, the child has to come to the point of forgiveness and to be able to be functional in their adulthood. Um, and it's never too late. It doesn't matter what the father's response is. God has offered forgiveness, and that's something you can do on your own, right? Yeah. Okay, Ron, the next question is yours. What are some absolute joys that you would share as your role as a father? Um, and what are maybe a thing or two that maybe scared the lights out of you when you were younger? Um, so joys and, and uh, things that were really scary. Well, you know, something I, I, I really had, did enjoy is that I could actually take joy in my children's success. Um, I, I really find that if you're able to um, rejoice with others who rejoice, uh, it's just a great feeling. Um, I, I have a st- uh, my, I, my kids were all involved in sports in some form or fashion, and of course uh, there were moments uh, of, of celebration. But one of the ones that came to mind when you're talking about joy, um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, played soccer um, from about middle school up. For a long time, she was the tallest of all the kids, and so she ended up playing on defense. Never, never ever tried to kick the ball and score or anything like that. Well, her very last year of playing soccer before she decided, I'm not doing this anymore, um, her team went to the championship. And they played a hard-fought battle, and it tied at the end, so they were going into extra time. And the coach decided to put my daughter on offense, and she was terrified. And I'm just over there trying to encourage her and say, you can do it, you can do it, not really knowing if she could do it. <laughs> and by some strange coincidence, these two, this person's charging toward the goal. Her goalie comes out to meet that person. They collide just outside the goal. And as they're falling over and scrambling and everything, the ball kind of pops out of the little scrum there. And Amanda's standing right there. And so she just sees the ball and she kicks it. It goes in the goal. They win the championship. 
I can't do it anymore, but I must have jumped at least three feet off the ground. <laughs> I was so excited for her. Um, if she was gonna end her soccer career, that was the way to end it. Um, and I remember the other things that my kids did. My, my daughter was in uh, musical theater in, in uh, high school and she managed to wrangle that into a scholarship at the University of Maryland and all that. I got to see her in all, a lot of her performances and I was just so proud of her ability to perform and sing. She's an actor now. She's done a lot of Japanese anime voice acting, done a, a bunch of other things like that. Um, and she's even on TikTok now. She got me on TikTok, believe it or not, <laughs> watching her do the, her little comedy sketches. And I'm really proud of her, and, that, and I'm proud of uh, my son for all of the things he did in sports. And um, by the way, he asked for uh, his girlfriend's parents' permission to marry. Ooh. They said yes. It's, so really excited about that. <laughs> I said that on TV. Uh, oh. For all of Lynchburg to hear. <laughs> you well, want something to be known, Taylor. So anyway, um, and then of course, my buddy back here, uh, Brianna, the tech director for our church. Hey, Brianna. <laughs> she is our entrepreneur, um, and when she takes on a task. Um, she takes it on seriously, and she's going to do it to a level of excellence. And uh, uh, now, if she's not, isn't interested in it, forget about it. You know? <laughs> but if she wants to do it, once she says, I'm doing this, she's going to be concerned about every detail. She's going to be concerned about it being great. And I just love that about her. So it's really watching all my kids do their thing and do it well and, and just rejoicing in that. That's the joy. Uh, the terror was raising them. <laughs> because they grow and they go into stages and you got, just got used to that first stage and now they're all of a sudden shifting to another stage. It's like, whoa, what happened here? Um, like when they start moving, you know? <laughs> I have three kids and, and two of them experienced the uh, problem with the dad when he said, okay, I'm gonna put them on the bed right here. They, never, they don't move, right? Well, the two of them started moving and rolled off the bed. And so, oh, thanks for that reminder. So, you know, you get used to them not moving and you put them down somewhere and then all of a sudden they start moving. And so when did that happen? Anyway, fortunately they all survived the fall. Uh, and so then, they're, then they go from being these cute little things that are toddling along and smiling and happy and all that, and then all of a sudden, they turn into these raging terrors and you're saying, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Why are you yelling at me? Why are you screaming no all the time? <laughs> and so it was just realizing that I had to adapt, not only adapt to the various stages that they went to, through, but the first one went through the stages at a different time than the second one, than the third one, and some of them didn't have the same stages, and you have to remember that every single one of them is unique, mm -hmm. and the same approach doesn't apply to each one. And so, for me, the terror of being a dad is having to always adapt, because I'm a person, I'm a creature of habit. Once I get into a rut of doing something, I'm gonna stay in that rut until something pulls me out. And so that, I would say that was the part that was terrifying. And the fact that they 
her alive and functioning and all of that is probably <laughs> the grace of God. I, I want to just comment on Ron for all those young fathers out there. Did you see the way that he spoke about all three of his kids? Did you notice? It was positive. It was affirming. It was encouraging. Um, he, didn't, he didn't choose to focus on shortcomings or downfalls or less than. He spoke words of affirmation over them. So um, beautifully done. If I was in that Miller household as a child, I, I would want to hear that every, all the time. And I, I, just hearing you say that makes me feel like that had to be your kid's experience growing up. Um, any, anybody else for words of affirmation? What do you got? Well, I was thinking of, of, of Joy's is watching my son um, raising his son, my grandson, and, and the job he's doing, fantastic. Just unbelievable. And uh, just one small caveat in there that my grandson is nine, and more than half of his life his father struggled with cancer and um, is on indefinite chemotherapy the rest of his life. So uh, only he determines when that stops. But in the midst of that, that's been a joy as much of a struggle as it is, um, you know, for him, just watching him use every bit of energy in between his every other week treatment to be that father is, is quite a joy. I, I don't know where he gets it. I don't know where he, I know he pulls it from the Lord, but still um, dealing with what he has to deal with. It's, it's a joy to watch, even though it's, a, it's hard to watch. It's a joy. Um, words of affirmation. Uh, they are so important, even though, uh, like I said, I, I only had my dad till 19. He was very affirming, and that, that went a, a long way with uh, what I would do in my, in my career as uh, I've been in construction most of my life. I, I mess around in radio now, but uh, construction was what I did for 40 years. And my dad was in construction, and he was very affirming, and um, so... That, that went a huge way. I, you know, it's, it's funny how people can live off of a compliment for a long time. That's right. And some people never get a compliment. And it's amazing what, in the past, I've had people, you know, when you said, hey, you did a good job there, that meant so much to me for weeks. Because they don't get any affirmation. They're not going to get it out in the world, right? right? So they've got to get it at home. What do you got? Anything? I, I just was thinking that one of the things that really brought me joy is I was a very young father. I was 14 when my oldest one was born. Yeah, well, I grew up in Mississippi, so that's explainable. <laughs> Not really. She, I was 14, but I, I adopted my, my two, two of my children. And uh, I was 14 when she was born. But I played sports with my children. I was young enough and competitive enough. I mean, my son moved me from left field to first base. He took my position in left field. So... I was young enough to participate and be actually teammates with them, which was really cool. And as really, when we played against each other, it was really competitive. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you play Monopoly at our house, you better bring, oh. better bring tissues because somebody's going to be crying, you know. <laughs> but we, we love the getting together. I, I couldn't hear that. Thank you. <laughs> 
But no, I, I love being a young dad and being able to be there, which also made room for a lot of mistakes. But we just had so much fun. And I, I remember just one game that I played with all my kids, even the kids that weren't my, is if I was sleeping late or in bed late, didn't have to work, they would come in and it was always the goal to push me off the bed. I have never been pushed off my bed, never. All right. But my kids have hit the floor many times. <laughs> And they always come back for more. We, we just love, you know, it's, I'm, even my granddaughter is sick. She's in there last night trying to push me off the bed. And I'm like, it's not happening. <laughs> so, but yeah. I enjoy playing with the kids. I'm a big kid at heart. Excellent. So that, that brings me to my next point. Uh, memories, making memories. What, what do our children remember from their, their childhood? What kind of memories do we carve out and make time to make? Just as an encouragement to all the young and soon-to-be dads out there, um, memories. My wife was so, that, that was like a capstone of hers, was like, you're making memories, you're making memories, you're making memories, you're making memories. And sometimes I you know, didn't always make the kind of memories I wanted to make, but I, I was intentional. I can think of many memories that were positive, but my fair share of, you're making memories. Um, so as a word of, of encouragement to the young dads out there, remember you're making memories every day. Uh, so what kind are you gonna make? Is that encouragement or terror? <laughs> Parenting is uh, a mixed bag of a lot of things, right? I would say that one of the things I did with my daughter is I took them on a date before they started dating yeah. and tried to give them an idea on what a gentleman should be like. Mm -hmm. And I also teach my daughters how to defend themselves if necessary. So. <laughs> I want to second that, but uh, I will tell you my daughters are both so discriminating about who they'll be involved with that I'm despairing that they'll ever get married. <laughs> so my, so well, did. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for that. Can you, re can you repeat that for the TV listeners? What she did said, she say? She said it's not that the standards are too high, they just can't be met. Guys, forget about it. <laughs> um, any other comments on I, memories? I'm going to share a memory of my, my dad. Um, uh, let's see, he was, he was thrown off a tank in World War II and, and injured his back, but he still was able to do stuff. I mean, he, he lived a, a good life and, and was in construction for many years. But I, I was always, you know, Fearful of because of, dad's health, one reason we moved to Florida from Pennsylvania was because the climate was better and, and all that. So one of the things, and this is for you dads out there to do kind of like what Brian's been talking about, you know, battle for the bed, I guess, uh, and, and wrestling, is kids remember that. I remember my father um, going to the rec center, which was up the street from our house, and we would skate during the summer. And um, I didn't see, my dad came with us. He, sometimes he'd come, sometimes he wouldn't because it was just down the road from the house. And uh, I didn't know dad was over there threading up a pair of skates. I didn't know my father could skate. I had no idea my father could skate. I couldn't, so it wasn't passed down to me after what I saw just a few minutes later. My dad not only got on, 
on the floor to do skating. I was blown away by that. My dad was probably at the time, he passed when he was 59, so he's probably about 56, 57. Not only was he going around, I, I, I put my head down and lifted back up, he was going backwards. And that blew me away. I couldn't believe my father, number one, could skate, and certainly that he could skate backwards. And that was, that just, that was the most awesome memory for me. Nobody else realized it in there, but I did. And it was just like, my dad can do this. And it was just some memory that has just always stuck with me. So I'd say, dads, be venturous with your kids because they will remember it. One of the great blessings I believe God gave me with my kids is that each one of them represents a part of me that I find great pleasure in. And so we can create memories based on that. My son, for example, ever since... Before he could even play sports, he was into sports. He watched his sisters play soccer. He wanted to be out there. So when he was old enough to play, he went out there, and he's been into sports his whole life. Well, I'm, I like sports, too. Um, football's my thing, really. And to be able to share that with my son has always been uh, an opportunity to create memories. We've gone to uh, some professional football games together. Uh, we went to Lambeau Field uh, with a friend who had tickets to see the Packers play. We were Tampa Bay fans, and it was Tampa Bay playing that day, and they won. But uh, So my son and I had a great memory there. By the way, the folks in Green Bay are some of the nicest fans I've ever met. I don't know if they're that way with Minnesota or Chicago, but that's another story. Um, with Amanda... She has just got this insatiable uh, desire for information. She's, she's just incredibly smart, incredibly intelligent. And so when we get uh, our area, our memories are just the conversations we have about the world, about culture, about society, conversations that no one else in the family ever want to get into, but she and I have that to share. And then with Brianna, uh, we love the same kinds of movies. We love sci-fi, superhero uh, uh, fantasy, apocalyptic disaster movies, things like that. Uh, just something to just take us out of the world for a while. We enjoy those things we, when we do it together. Um, and so for each one, of, each one of them represents a little piece of me. And I, I think God did that for me, to give me the opportunity to create memories with each, each one of them based on how he made me. And so I, I'm just really happy about that. Look at that example again, young guys. Taking joy in his children. Beautiful. Um, yeah. One thing for the, for the child that, that still has struggle with overcoming um, some things that might have been shortcomings. Um, somebody wise said this to me, uh, which, which was so freeing, and I, I feel the need to say it today because it, it may resonate with somebody out there. If you, if you have hurts from your father, um, or you feel like you, as a father, have really brought down some, some pain to your offspring, um, you know, the generational changes, you know, it's true. The way that this generation handled things and did things is different than this generation, and it's very different from the way this generation receives in, in knowledge and in, in relationship. But um, the piece of wisdom that was given to me was they did the best they could with what they knew. Think about your own parents um, and where, you know, we, we always tend to remember the shortcomings, but none of us had a manual. 
None of us had a, a book, you know? Nobody, we did the best we could with what we knew and what we were given. Some people knew a lot, some people were given a lot, but other people didn't have that. And so they're parenting out of that space. So when we look at our parents and we want to cast judgment, um, especially fathers, just remember they probably did the best they could with what they knew. Okay? Um, I, one last question, then we're going to get to some fun activity. Uh, how do you see God, our Heavenly Father, in kind of something to do with His ways um, pour out in our own family situations? Um, what would be something you could say that you see as like a, a Godhead thing that has played out in your own family? God, our Heavenly Father, something playing out in your own family. I think uh, extending grace to our kids. I know there's been times when Phil has made some bad choices, um, and, and I, instead of judging him, I had to extend grace and try to help him work through just like my Heavenly Father would do the, the same for me. Beautiful, beautiful. It's funny you say that. When I had two nephews that lived with me for over five years, uh, they become a ward of the court, and then I, I took custody of them. And we're very grace-minded people in our family, but I'm also, I believe, in corporal punishment. Sorry if you don't, but I remember Cody on more than one occasion Uncle Brian, I really need some grace today. <laughs> Just before he got in trouble, you know, he'd pull that grace card out and say, I need some grace. And it was, and it was an example that I had learned that God gives it to us. And, and oftentimes we would extend the grace to them. But it was, it always made us chuckle when they would like play that grace card when they knew they had messed up real good. But we have a Heavenly Father that does that for us. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing. And it's really cool when we get to give that back to the children we're raising. So good point. Grace. Excellent. I love to lavish my kids with gifts if I can. Um, and not just things I buy. Uh, um, this example comes to mind. Um, we had some dessert in the kitchen, and I took the dessert to work because I figured I can't eat it. I don't need it. Somebody else can eat it. But my son came in the next day wondering where it was. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I took it to work. You know, I moved heaven and earth to try and get some dessert so that I could have it in the kitchen the next day, and he could have it. And uh, because it was important to me that he get what it was that he was desiring. I, I love giving gifts to my children. And so um, I, th I think that comes from God. He loves lavishing us with gifts. So Beautiful. All right, well, that concludes our Father's Day panel. Can you give a round of applause for these guys? <laughs>